Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendyka. With me, as always, my co-host, the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here. We are doing a Zoom session today because yours truly is sick as a dog, but that does not stop us from providing you the best entertainment possible week in and week out. We haven't missed a show in three and a half years, and we're not going to stop now just because uh, one of us is sick, so... Uh, we're powering through Mike is a good sport and we're able to do this through zoom. So he works with my schedule because he's the best co-host in the biz. Um, and we got a lot of stuff to go over this week. We got the NFL draft. It came, it arrived, it's gone. Uh, we're going to be talking Lions draft. We're going to be talking about the whole league, some surprises, uh, some moves, what moves we liked a lot, what moves we were kind of confused about in the first couple of rounds. Um, we're also going to be talking uh wrestlemania backlash and some changes that have made on that card that mike and i both can agree suck um we're also gonna be talking the red wings firing jeff blashell uh what that means for this rebuild as we kind of get uh, steve eisenman's first take at hiring his own guy and then we're going to end the show with some nba playoff talk as we kind of move through to the second round want to get mike's takes on some of the results as well as um some of the uh, legacy impacting results and what that means um and I've, I have a couple of questions for him in regards to a certain team out of the Brooklyn area, but we're going to talk about it. Um, but Mike, let's start first off, right? NFL draft. It came, we've talked at nauseum about it and it's here, mm-hmm. um, you know, so let's just kind of, I think the best thing to start off with, let's just start off. Let's go day by day uh, mm-hmm. in the lions in the lions realm here. So obviously pick number two, first pick is Trayvon Walker before we even get to who the lions pick. I mean, the amount that this dude has risen, Draven mm-hmm. Walker went from middle of the road, first round pick runs a blazing fast 40. And now all of a sudden is the second coming of the greatest defensive player ever. And yep. the Jags go betting on upside. Give me your thoughts on just that pick and what it allowed for the lions uh, at pick number two. I mean, it allowed the lions to pick everyone. So to, that they want at number two because I thought beating the Packers was a terrible idea at the end of the year. I know I'm in the minority. Who cares? Um, I wanted the number one pick so I could decide, okay, I can get any player I want. If you want Aiden, if you want Thibodeau, if you want to get a quarterback, if you want to trade out anything, you can get. So this idea that they that they had to win and they got the number two pick, I was like, okay, like it's fine if they take Evan Neal Yep. at number one or whatever. And this was like pre-draft process, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It was like, if they take Devin Neal number one, yep. okay, I'm fine because we're not going to take a tackle. Right. But then when the reports came out, I was like, oh, Aiden's going to be number one. I'm like, okay. yeah, The Lions yeah. really just lines themselves out of that one because <laughs> they really probably wanted Aiden. Now they can't get Aiden. <clears throat> but it was, honestly, Trayvon Walker, with how great he did in the combine and all that stuff and his interviews and whatever, jumping up the board that high was actually like, it's probably a saving grace for the Lions because oh, now yeah. you don't look stupid winning that last game of the season and not getting the guy that you really want. So um good on the Jags for getting the guy they really want. The thumbs up. And I think I think good on the Lions for probably getting the guy they really wanted at the end of the day probably was Aiden right. Hutchinson. So obviously worst kept secret, right? The Lions number two pick uh overall Aiden Hutchinson defensive end out of Michigan. Um also, yeah, so I have like four sacred rules when I watch TV mm-hmm. and one of the four is when you're in the top five drafting in the NFL, don't take nine and a half minutes to make your selection. Yeah, no so I just want to, I want to end that. Like I have three other sacred rules that aren't for sports. That's my <laughs> one for sports. And so 
thank you for the Lions being the only team in the top five to just I was just about to say three that. seconds they, in they catching a ticket. They ran that card up. They were like, Oh my gosh, the Jags Jags it. Sweet. Yeah. Now we're gonna go take the guy. Like I was I was eating at Sammy Sliders. Trayvon Walker goes up. I'm like, all right, so we got like 10 minutes. I could probably drive home. Yeah, my right. home is like two minutes away. Right. I was like, I could probably drive home and, like, upstairs and turn the TV. And then literally as I like close up my box, I pick his in. I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll just stay here for a minute. Yeah. yeah. So well, what's crazy too is you look at back at the footage of them calling Aiden. They hadn't mm-hmm. the the commissioner didn't even announce the pick for the Jags yet, and they'd already called him and said you're the pick. That is insane. How funny that is because you can tell that they're like, nope, there, there's no good trade offers to trade down here, which is obviously as we're we'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a second, but. They didn't get anything that was enticing to get to move down, right? Nobody was looking to move up into the top five anyway. So they weren't going to get anything. Um, and so they get the best player on their board. A, I would say probably the best prospect in this draft. Um, as they kind of fleshed out, that's probably how most people's big boards had mm-hmm. it. Um, even the Jags up to the day of the draft, right? I think Trent Balski really had to talk Shad Khan into taking Trevin Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. Um, yeah, I think I think I think through like on Monday, mm-hmm. I think the odds were still for Aiden Hutchinson to be the guy, mm-hmm. and then the odds switched heavy on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Where like going into the draft, it was like minus six fifty, I think, mm-hmm. for Trayvon Walker. I was like, wow, so he's like guaranteed to be the big now. Yeah, right. Because like Kate Cunningham, a number one for the Pistons, was like minus like four fifty. Yeah. So it was even like it was right. That With all those news about Jalen Green and everything. Yeah, yeah, and all that stuff. Like it was like even better odds yeah. for uh Trayvon Walker, which is wild. Yeah. The day before. No, so obviously Lions get their guy, right? It, it's it's the storyline works, everybody's happy. He's a Dan Campbell guy. There's no question marks about character, about the about you know, whether he likes football, any of that stuff. He comes from a pro style defense right where you know basically what Baltimore Ravens are going to be running this year he was part of that right the production was there this year he really took that step into being an elite uh level pass rusher he's an elite talent um I mean everyone's got to be thrilled if you're a Michigan fan you're over the moon I mean you couldn't have asked for a better story I still thought that they were going to go Thibodeau I just because of all the work that they did on him now it looks like they were like, well, we better do our homework on this guy because if Hutchinson's not there, um, I, I even up until the very start of the draft, I still thought the Jags were going to take Hutchinson. I'm going to go if they actually take Walker, you're it's just such a risk for mm-hmm. a team that you're just like you have the number one pick. Now I know there's not the there's not the quarterback you got that last year. There's not that guy, but I was like, man. There's a lot of projection you're hoping for here, but it mm-hmm. works out in the Lions' favor. They had their pick between Thibodeau and Hutchinson, um, and they get their guy. I, I love the pick. I, honestly, we talked it a lot where if it was either guy, Thibodeau or Hutchinson, I don't think we would have came on this show and been like, well, they, they messed this up. I don't really think there was a bad selection here. It fits a need. They're both really good pass rushers. I just think that they like Aiden better, I think more for an intangible standpoint than they did mm-hmm. Thibodeau. Yeah, I think, I, like we said, I think a couple weeks ago, where yeah. this team's not going to be very good next year. But we were talking probably like five, six wins or so. Yeah. And I think a guy like Hutchinson will be playing hard through November and December still. Right. Right. Where I, I think the worry was, would Thibodeau still want to – like if Thibodeau like 
like hurt his ankle set or something, right. would he be like coming back? I think Aiden would be like, no, I'm coming back in December, even if we're a four win team in December. I think Thibodeau would be like, ah, we could probably shut it down. And I think the mentality <laughs> there is like, I think the selling point for Hutchinson there yeah. at number two for the Lions. Cause Dan Campbell wants guys who are like, no, even if we have one win, we want you to go out and play hard. And I think Hutchinson will do that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the Lions second first round pick first. And then I want to kind of get into some expectations a little bit because yeah. I, I, the Lions did some pre uh, post interviews post the first round with the offensive and defense coordinators. And mm-hmm. I thought their comments were kind of telling about where they think they are at as terms of this rebuild. Um, so as the round, the second uh, first round pick for the Lions, right? We will go into the day thinking that they're going to be picking 32. So it's going to be a long night Thursday. Um, number eight is Drake London, the first wide receiver off the board. Um, it was a number eight, right? Yeah. Right. And then, um, a couple picks later, um, number 10, Wilson goes to the jets, the saints make a trade up to 11 to go get Chris Olave, which I was like, sweet. He's not going to the Packers. Good deal. Um, and then all of a sudden I get a text from one Mike Merkel saying, Lions traded up in all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I go, I don't know what's happening. Um, I start freaking out and then we're on the phone talking and I go, okay. And then my dad's calling me going, what is going on? Like somehow I have the answers. Um, mm-hmm. And so the Lions trade up to the number 12 spot. First time since 1950, the Lions have had two first round picks in the first 12. That's a fun little, you know, factoid for you. Uh, they trade with the Minnesota Vikings, the trade details, uh, which we will uh, we'll, we'll review the actual trade here in a second, but the trade details, the Lions, tra- Lions received the 12th overall pick and the 46th overall pick. In exchange, they give Minnesota the 32nd overall pick, the 34th overall pick, and the 66th. So the Lions get a first and a second back. They send Minnesota a first, second, and a third back. Um, and we'll talk about that. But with pick 12, everybody thought, right? Oh my gosh, is this where Malik Willis is going? Are they trading up? Brad Holmes said, if there's a guy they have enough conviction about, they're going to do what they have to do to go get that guy. And me and my dad are on the phone. We're talking and we're like, okay, Drake London's gone. Garrett Wilson's gone. Chris Olave has gone. They can't be trading up for a receiver, right? Like who, who was this guy? So Mm -hmm. who who is it? Is it Kyle Hamilton who's still available? What are they doing? And then boom, everybody seems like they're like, oh, I forgot about Jamison Williams. So that's the pick. (laughs) Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. I lost my mind. Um, We'll get to the trade here in a second because I love the trade itself. I love the aggressiveness. I thought it was a, I thought it was a phenomenal move by Brad Holmes, but Mm -hmm. the pick itself, I love this pick. I thought this was a, damn it, we're going to, we're going to, if we're going to tell you that Jared Goff is going to get a damn chance, this is the pick to tell you this. Um, mm-hmm. I love this pick. He's arguably the best receiver in the class. Um, could have been probably if he doesn't tear his ACL. He's on track to be back by training camp, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing he won't be back or to start a training camp like he wants to be. I think they're going to take him low and slow to make sure yeah. that he's 100%. Yeah, I, I always said, like, if he's back by the first quarter of the season, I think mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. – a thousand percent. Um, I love this pick, Mike. I thought this was a shot in the arm. I think this is, I thought this was the most less sneedish type move that Brad Holmes has made so far, right? Where mm-hmm. like less need goes, I want this guy. So I'm going to go get, whether it's in free agency, the draft, uh, trades, I want Jalen Ramsey. So we're going to go get mm-hmm. him. I want this guy. And this was Brad Holmes first time where we have seen him go. Nope. This is the guy. 
He, we had yeah. him graded just as high as Aiden Hutchinson. Phenomenal pick. Yeah, I looked at this draft, and I thought, like, I got two things coming out of the first two rounds of this draft. Yeah. The first one was after the Aiden pick, and after a pick we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. um, I was like, they're just solidifying this defensive line. Like, they were like, we're going to do everything in our power to make sure we have four guys who yep. can go get the go get the other team's quarterback. Yep. Like, that was like – that felt like that was, like, their main priority in the draft. Oh, yeah. to do that. Sure. I think the second one was next year's quarterback class is – projected to be really really good yeah so uh we got to figure out right now if golf is the guy or not yes and i think this trade up to get arguably the best receiver who should be ready yes i i think if i i I think if williams came out or if the reports for his injury came out that he wouldn't play this year yeah i don't think they would do this move i think the optimism that he could probably be back by training camp air quotes maybe by the preseason he can get going and then first quarter of the season he's like fully ready to go um yep. i think getting the best receiver in the class here adding dj chark having amin rossi brown hawkinson's there a good running game good off it like it's like golf this you have is, everything you yeah. got now there's no excuses for jared golf yeah this if is you, i'm season. like golf if you throw 20 touchdowns and 11 picks sorry you're not the guy we're cutting you're not. You next year and, and, and that is and, and they, correct and if and if this year which with all this talent if you can go throw 32 touchdowns and eight picks you go, right, okay. maybe you could be the guy. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, and we that, can and then you have your quarterback issue. And then next year you use those two first round picks on defense. Uh-huh. And maybe you're rolling now. Yeah. But I think this was solidify the defensive line and find your two edge guys with your two interior yep. guys. Yep. And is golf the guy? I think those are the two questions that you want to get answers in, in this draft. And I think you found solutions can, to those. Can we talk about this wide receiver room just for a second? It went from being um Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. And Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas, and then they drafted Amon Ra in the fourth round, right? To now we know what Amon Ra is. We know that Khalif Raymond is a good little gadget player, right? But Brashad Perriman, he gone. Tyrell Williams, he gone. Quintez Cephas is probably going to get cut. Um, probably. And now you look at you, you have DJ Shark, you've got Amon Ra St. Brown, you've got Jamison Williams, you've got Josh Reynolds as your fourth. Mm-hmm. And then you've probably and Khalif Raymond as your gadget speedster type dude, mm-hmm. like who can do a lot of different things. Um, this wide receiver room is badass, and mm-hmm. I am extremely, extremely excited to see what the hell this is going to do because Jamison Williams, the, his ability to take the top off the defense is a domino effect for Amon Ross St. Brown lovers. Because mm-hmm. okay, now I got to worry about this burner who's gonna who's got you know 58 plays on the year where you know he's got 50 plus yards or more on one reception during a game. And yet I got to still worry about this dude. Oh, I got DJ shark too. Yeah. This, this receiving crew gives me like right now, what Seattle's room looks like where you have yeah. like a guy like DK Metcalf who mm-hmm. takes the top off, mm-hmm. but Lockett is like your route running, like always going to be open middle of the field yeah. type guy. Like I think Jamison Williams is your deep play. He can still run great routes. Don't get me yeah, wrong, yeah. but like he can, he can take the top off and then I'm on Ross Brown's over like five yards in, but he's running zig routes and in routes. And he's just like wide open all the time in the middle to get like four yards in a three wide receiver set where you've got GJ Chark on the outside, you've got yeah. Jamison Williams on the other side, and then you've got Amon Ra on the slot. And then mm-hmm. you've got either Hawkinson, Hawkinson or Swift, depending on who you want to keep in home and blocking, who the yeah. hell are you going to cover? Who are you yeah. going like straight up, like I don't, it, it so much to me is one of those scenarios where it's like, 
they are telling Jared Goff, listen, last year we did not set you up for success, clearly. Um, but by the end of it, with the emergence of St. Brown, with Josh Reynolds coming in and playing some big snaps, um, we saw something in you to give us the confidence that maybe if you have the right supporting cast, you can be the guy. And now we brought in DJ Chark. We brought in Jamison Williams, gave up some assets to do it. Um, this is the time. Show, tell everybody why we have the faith in you to earn the right to say that, hey, we're just going to keep you. And this is the guy. Um, I, I'm, I am over the moon about this pick. Let's talk about mm-hmm. the trade a little bit here too. Um, I don't know what Minnesota's uh, new GM is doing because he made a trade with the Packers too uh in the second round which allowed them to get christian watson unfortunately um and i didn't like that trade either quite frankly Mm -hmm. but i thought they got at least better value because they only moved back a few spots and still got back both the green bay second round picks um this is a terrible trade by minnesota this is a terrible yeah i kind of so i think when we were projecting the 32 and 34 for the lions i think they were like okay so if like Devin Lloyd and blah, 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 and blah, 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 or at 32, 34, like the Lions think they can be for them, that maybe we trade back there and yeah. then we can pick up two of these talents for the price of one for what we got for Jameson Williams. Yeah. But I think how the, once they made that trade, how the board fell yeah. after that, I think spots. like, yeah, but I think the Vikings were then like, wow, this board is not shaping up. No. Like, I think as a Lions fan, you probably got Lewis Seen, which would have been really nice, yeah. but you would never have gotten that receiver that you wanted, probably. Uh-huh. I mean, you could have got Watson, but, like, yeah. I don't think – like, you'd re- much rather Jameson Williams, like, mm-hmm. by 100%. Yeah. But I don't think the guys that we thought, like, a Daxon Hill and those kind of guys yeah. were, like, there right at 32, 34. Yeah. They went, like, right before and stuff. Yeah. So And, like, Devin Lloyd went right before, and the Kobe Dean just never got picked ever. So, right. so like – there are a whole bunch of guys there that like we thought would be there at 32, 34 that didn't end up being there. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we would have stayed, we'd have been like, yeah, like what if we traded up like 10 spots? Yeah. We could have got like this guy or this guy or this guy. Right. So I think the Vikings were in that same mindset. We're like, if we trade down, we can get this guy and this guy. But when the draft actually happened, they're like, ah, oh, these yeah. guys aren't there that I wanted. And so then they trade down again because there's no guy that they really wanted. And they're like, man, this is not working the out. The fact like, that the Lions got the 46th back is extremely hilarious to me where I was like, wow. Like if this trade would have came out and it would have went 12 for 32, 34, 66, I'd go, I get it. They moved up 20 spots. That's a lot of picks. And yet they still got a second round in return. So whether you want to look at it as they moved up 20 spots and then dropped 12 in the second, however you want to look it up to get, and then gave up a third, whatever the way you want to look at it, there's almost no metric where you can say the lions lost out on this trade because You, you go get a guy and it's not, it's one of the, they got a guy that they, they love and it's a need. It's a need. Mm-hmm. As much as I want to talk about this receiving core, if DJ Chark blows his knee out week one, he's gone. So they mm-hmm. needed an X regardless. So like there's so much value that the lions got out of this. I, you can't tell yeah. me that you're not in love with this trade. Yeah. And for most positions, you always have to say, okay, we always go into each year and go, oh, this starting 22 is just going to be awesome. Right. We always have to account for at least one or two injuries at every – In the first half of the preseason game, and you go, well, that's dead. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh... you have to account for one to two injuries for each positional group mm-hmm. that has, like, more than, like, five people playing at once. So, like, the offensive line, you usually go one or two. Receivers, oh, yeah. one or two. Yep. D-line is usually two. Mm-hmm. So, you have to account for, like, all these injury spots, too. 
So like you said, it's like if you didn't get Jamison Williams, the receiving crew is not bad with DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and whatever. Like that's still fine. Yeah. But then if Amon Ross St. Brown goes down, right. It's like right. okay, we have DJ Chark and then Khalif Raymond and Tom Kennedy. Like right, right. at that point, you're it gets really dim. So having Jamison Williams there, even if you lose a Chark or a an Amon Ra, you go, all right, well, we still have the other two. Yeah. So now you have like two out of three. So I think it, I think it was something that you needed at least for depth purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the very worst. Right. Any concern at all? I, I saw some, a little bit of backlash from some people because they're like, lines are still early in this rebuild where you thought that maybe this was a bit of a like, okay, you're, you're basically by trading up to 12, you're basically giving up the right to draft a potential defensive starter at, at 34. Right. That's kind of what you're doing. Um, any any hesitation on your end? Um, I think be, the way the trade worked out, I don't think you could have passed up this deal because mm-hmm. of who you got. Um, but any any reservations at all about tr- the trade up here? No, because I looked at it. I went after you saw how the draft went. You probably are trading Lewis Seen and uh, Christian Watson for Jamison Williams. Yeah, and I said I'd rather have Jamison Williams than those two guys. Yeah. So I look at that and I go, okay. So I, I think I think I'd be fine with that trade. Now, if like Devin Lloyd was still there at 32 and you could have told me you got like Devin Lloyd in a receiver or Devin Lloyd and Lewis Seen, then I go, maybe I would have wanted to stay at 32, 34. Right. But I think for who was there, I think you probably very much. And the number one thing that is the best part about this trade, the number one thing, actually two things, two things. The first thing, they didn't have to give up any future assets to do this. Mm-hmm. That's the number one thing for me. No second first round pick. No, none of that. They, they still have two mm-hmm. first round picks next year, which is huge. Two, they hopped the Packers to go get this guy. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so important because even, I mean, Washington clearly pooped themselves because they took Jahan Dotson at 16 and I was all confused. But um, they hopped the Packers. And so the Packers were like, crap. Now we, I mean, they went defense, defense, and then they got Christian Watson. But like, the trade-off between Christian Watson and Jameis Williams is a is a whole tier. There's a whole yes. level there. At least maybe missing. even two tiers. Yeah, right. Honestly. Because one is a more polished NFL-ready prospect than the other one is. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself, I thought was extremely, extremely important. Um, all right, let's go through the rest of the picks here. Um, round two, pick forty-six. They take Josh Pascal Edge out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, not a guy on my radar. Um, you know, I think some people were really hoping for Nicobe Dean here. Jaquan Brisker was still available on that board as well at the mm-hmm. time. Um, Nicobe Dean's got some serious medical issues, so clearly because everybody passed on him three times over. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, thoughts on Pascal? Um, I mean, he had a great PFF grade, best pass rusher in the SEC, which I thought mm-hmm. was extremely important. Yeah, he was like fourth overall in PFF for pass rushing. Yeah. And um what was I gonna say about oh um yeah I, I just think that at the end of the day it came down to they just want to solidify this D line. Yeah. And it was funny because before day two, whoever I think it was on ESPN, I think that's where I watched it. Yeah. They were talking about like, oh, the number one guy that people are gonna have to get. And they named this guy. Yeah. And I was like, this is the one guy you're gonna highlight, not Malik uh-huh. Willis, not right. a Kobe D. Like it was like you're highlighting right. this guy. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then when the Lions picked him, I went. Oh, at least it was the guy they highlighted. So, like, right. I watched no, like 20 no. minutes of tape on this guy no right before they picked him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so I think he's, again, he, he'll be a 
either a rotational guy or maybe he'll be a starter. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I'm interested. But it'll be good. He played, he played a little bit of everything, right? He played the five. He played the four I. He played three tech. Yeah. Um, he stood up, he was a pass rusher. He had his hand on the ground and he stood up and played linebacker. So yeah. lots of versatility. He's an athletic freak. The, the thing I can't stress this enough, how much I love this regime and their attention to athletic measurements when mm-hmm. it comes to picking athletes. That to me is so important because not one of these guys they drafted is a bad athlete who just happens to fit the scheme. And maybe mm-hmm. this is a little bit me just judging based off of the last year of the last regime, but like, mm-hmm. I am so glad I don't see these relative athletic scores uh, out of 10 and then being a 5.2. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just happy to see that. Like, I mean, Jamison Williams was a freak athlete, right? I mean, Aiden Hutchinson was a 9.8. Um, he was Pascal, a 9.3. Yeah, Pascal's a 9.7. Right. Oh, no, like seven. That's right. Yeah. Right. So, like, I mean, he's he's really high up there, right? So they're drafting athletes, and that is so so important. So I, I, you know, looking at it now, I I think you're a thousand percent right. When they went and just said, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna get after the damn quarterback." I'm tired of seeing Aaron Rodgers pick apart our our young secondary. Screw it. Let's go get him. Well, I think I think they're like. We're confident with Alex Anzalone at the middle for this year because he yeah. did it last year. So, like, he knows mm-hmm. the defense. Derek Barnes is the young guy who's going to take over that role eventually. Mm-hmm. And then your secondary, you have Tracy Walker. So, you at least have one of the two safeties. You still don't know about Okuda. Well, you know about Warrior, but he's got yep. one year left. Yep. You don't know about Okuda because all he's been is hurt. So, yep. he could be really, really good. You just don't know. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, you got, like, Jerry Jacobs and Mike Hughes back there to kind of fill in the extra positional value there. So I think it was kind of like if we just secure our defensive line this year and say if golf's the guy next year, then or, or this upcoming season, the next year, instead of taking a quarterback or trading up for or whatever the case is, yeah. maybe you take the best, the Devin Lloyd linebacker next year. Mm-hmm. Then you take one of the best elite safeties with the late second round or late first yeah. round pick. And now your defense looks a lot more stud like yeah. with your strong defensive line. And then you have your quarterback situation figured out. If golf's the guy, and then you're kind of wrong. It is in the best Lions scenario, honestly, and I know people don't like to hear this. It is in the Lions' best interest for golf to be the guy because he's cheaper than everybody else. Like, I'm sorry, but golf, I think, still got a couple years left on his deal if they they decide to pick it up. So at at 25 million rather than 40 that Derek Mm -hmm. Carr is getting. Now, I like Derek Carr better, clearly, but – at the same time, if you mean to tell me right now that Jared Goff can lead us to a division championship because the team around him is better, mm-hmm. sold. I'm done. That's awesome. Great. I'm totally, totally down to clown for that. Right. Um, and so it is clearly in the Lions' best interest for him to be the guy. A thousand percent. Uh, moving on to the third round, uh, they do go get that safety. Uh, they take yeah. Kirby Joseph, safety out of Illinois. Uh, extremely. Uh, high on the ball skills, right? Ball hawking type safety. He fits their zone safety concepts, right? He's not going to be in the box. He's not going to be that guy um, coming up on the run. He's not the best run defender in the world, but he can cover in the slot if he needs to. He can. He's that deep center field type guy. Tracy Walker is their can do it all guy, clearly. Um, mm-hmm. But Kirby Joseph is definitely a coverage safety. Um, I like the fact that they went and got a guy that can play and can make plays right with the ball in the air. Um, and I thought that they just needed just somebody else in this room right now, because yes. I think Deshaun, if we had to pencil in starters today, 
I think it's Tracy Walker and Deshaun Elliott as the starting safeties for this football mm-hmm. team. But I don't think Kirby Joseph is going to be looked at and people are going to go, mm, I don't think he's got a shot. I think he's going to have a chance to, I think he's going to play special teams immediately, but I think he is going to um, compete quickly for that starting position just because there's not a ton of depth there. And mm-hmm. Deshaun Elliott's on a one-year deal. They would much rather have Kirby Joseph take over and play center field for them. Yeah. I, yeah. The only thing about, I don't like dislike this pick at all. I just wish they would have tried to find like more of a box safety yeah. at this spot. Cause I like Tracy Walker as the overfit, like the, if you, if you want to go traditional value of safeties, you have like the free safety, mm-hmm. which kind of your coverage safety. And then usually your strong safety is more of your box safety yep. in a sense, kind of like a, like an Earl Thomas camp chancellor, where chancellor was like, I'm going to guard your tight end. Hit For you Lions the box. fans, I'll compare it to Glover Quinn being your free safety and James ahead of being your strong safety. Yes. Yeah. That's also yep. another one too, yep. where I, I wish you would just got more of a strong safety in the box kind of guy because Tracy Walker, yep. but I'm cool having this guy also especially because they do some three safety sets too right so yeah well um, harris if they, if they play they down a little bit too and deshaun yeah. elliott deshaun elliott is a more of a box safety so yeah. which helps right he's a big hitter type dude so mm-hmm. um i'm interested to see what they what they have planned uh for him going down right they didn't have a fourth round pick they didn't make any trades up or anything uh round five they take james mitchell tight end mm-hmm. out of virginia tech tight end slash h back type guy um 6'4, 250 um, you know, I, I, he's a fifth round pick. He's a, he's a tight end. He's going to compete pretty quickly. I think mm-hmm. for the tight end two job, not super, um, uh, great at the pass blocking, but he's more of a receiver. He's a solid pass catching option. Um, mm-hmm. 70% of his receptions were first downs or touchdowns in his career at Virginia tech, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of crazy. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. He's a depth guy, but we're in the fifth round at this point. So I don't think you can be like, Oh my gosh, left or right for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel the exact same way. Um, yeah. Uh, this is like was a tight end. I was like, okay. Yeah. There was a trade, uh, and which was a need, right? I mean, Hawkinson mm-hmm. has only got one year left after this year, right? With the fifth year option. So I'm assuming they get an extension done, but if not, they need to have options. Uh, they do a trade to piss off every member of the media. Uh, they send pick 181 to the Eagles to trade down to pick 188 and 237 because they're like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so they get their they get a pick back basically with their sixth round pick. They finally address linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker at Oklahoma State. I like this pick a lot. This mm-hmm. dude's a tackling machine. Led yeah. their team in in or in tackles last three seasons. Um, he was a captain, right? He's a dude. He's athletic as hell. Uh, he's a little short, which I think is the reason why he fell. But mm-hmm. um, I think this dude could be. I think this dude's gonna play some meaningful snaps very mm-hmm. quickly yeah no he's super fast um good at he, he's good at reading and pursuing um i think the one he's a great coverage said, linebacker yeah being 511 230 i think it's yeah. just like the only downside like yes again Besides. this guy this guy would be interesting if you put him in like the strong safety box right. type role like right. if you found like he a new he, well position. he played safety as a freshman he's a converted yeah, 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 yeah he's a converted linebacker yes yeah yeah, yeah. But if he played like if you made like a new role almost where it was like not a linebacker, but not really a safety either, mm-hmm. but you had like an intermediate of both, yeah. he would be like a perfect guy for that spot. Where yeah. like you were playing safe or you're playing linebacker, but you're fast enough to be a safety. That's exactly what this guy is. I think him spot. and Chris Board, Chris Board, they signed for Baltimore. He's one of the best special teams players. Um he's kind of filled that Jalen Reeves may have been on special teams. I yeah. think this guy is gonna compete with Board. Um, and whoever else they have on the roster 
um, to compete for snaps at the, at that spot, right. Where Mm -hmm. you're dropping back basically consistently. Right. Um, He had a 90 grade PFF grade in coverage last year. So that's important, right? This mm-hmm. dude, he's an athlete, which is important uh, when you're covering tight end. So I actually really like this pick. I thought it was, once again, he's an athletic dude who they think they can do a lot of stuff with. That's, and there's a trend here, right? Like all these guys are captains and high character guys. Like it's just, just what, mm-hmm. they're, what they're about. All right, round six, pick 217, James Houston edge out of Jackson State. Uh, Coach Deion Sanders gets his first draftee. Um, this dude was a monster when he went to Jackson State. I mean, mm-hmm. good Lord, 16 and a half sacks, 24 tackles for loss, eight turnovers. Goodness gracious. Um, he played at Florida for a couple of years, didn't do anything all that spectacular, went to Jackson State, killed it. Um, I think this is a guy, I think he's a rotational guy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think they're hoping that maybe they can develop some raw skills into some pass rushing specialty. It's mm-hmm. kind of my thought. It's kind of hard for me to give real deep depth analysis about a sixth round pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel too. I was just like, it was, he, he, he looks fine. He's aggressive. When you like, when he plays at the smaller schools, he does really, really well. Mm-hmm. And then he goes up to a bigger school and he doesn't do very well. So he's like one of those guys. He might just be a special team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see I, the preseason is going to be fun for me for a couple of these guys to see, okay, like where do we, where do we stack up here? Can you be, mm-hmm in the rotation, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think preseason this year is going to be huge for a guy like Levi Anzarike as well. Mm-hmm. Really need to see more out of him. Um, last pick of the night, uh, round seven, pick 237. They take Chase Lucas, cornerback out of Arizona State. Um, he was a six-year senior. Um, he is 25, which, damn. Um, mm-hmm. Played, you know, started for five years at Arizona State. Um, you know, he can play both inside and out. Um once again, I, I think he's going to be competing for special teams. He's seventh round pick. Um, I think the biggest downside to this kid, honestly, is that he's 25. Yeah. I would say that's the biggest downside. Which I don't even know if, if that's like the biggest downside for a seventh round pick because mm-hmm. you have experience as a sixth round, sixth year senior. So right. like you have the experience and play a lot. So right. maybe, maybe you could bring that experience in. And, and the seventh round, too, if you didn't mean to tell me right now the Lions did anything other than they went, okay, who's the highest graded player we have? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, just take it's, him. it's Chase Lucas from Arizona State. I guess we're going to take Chase Lucas from Arizona yeah. State. That's how yeah, that yeah. went. That's how the conversation went. I don't think there was yeah. a lot of pounding the table to get somebody else in here. <laughs> yeah. um, give, me a, give me a grade for, for this draft for you. Um, I think they killed it day one. I, I, mm-hmm. I will not hear anything to the contrary. Um, night two, I think you can, I think you can be like, okay, they took another pass rusher. Okay. I guess they're sending a message. And then after that, you kind of gets fuzzy just based on, you know, you're projecting at this point, mm-hmm. give me, give me a grade for, for you on, on this draft. Yeah. I give it somewhere in the B range. Okay. Probably a mid to high B. Yeah. I mean, no, nah, actually, no, it's going to be a straight B. I can't say high B. Um, because I think they filled two of their needs like really, really well. I think they got depth in places. But I think there are some spots that like you didn't address at all that mm-hmm. I think you should have probably have looked into addressing if you wanted to be more a little more competitive this year. Yeah. Um, like maybe taking a linebacker earlier. So yeah. like I think I think the one that really is like the the wild card one is the Kentucky edge rusher. Yeah. Um, I think if he works out. I think retrospectively, this draft is a lot, lot better. Yeah. But I think like maybe picking a linebacker or maybe taking a safety a little earlier 
Yeah. And then using that other safety pick for someone like somewhere else, I think maybe would have worked. It's going to end up working better in like hindsight. Yeah. I read, but I think that's the one, that's the one spot where I'm like, eh, I don't know if I 100% agree with that one. I read a report later on. Somebody said they were like, I keep telling you guys um, that the Lions like their linebackers. And that's why they didn't address it earlier, which is interesting to me because they did not have very good linebacker play. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very interested. And that kind of ties into the, to the comments made by both Aaron Glenn and uh, Ben Johnson, the coordinators and that Aaron Glenn came out and when the honeymoon phase is over, I know that like, we got to play better. Like we have to, we have to play better on defense. We got to stop people. We got to commit. We got to create more turnovers. And that to me is an interesting kind of comment because they're so self-aware that it's like, hey, listen, we have to win more games this year. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that seven wins should be off the table for this football team. I really don't. I think from an expectation standpoint of what you've done, the talent level you've added, especially early on in days one and two, um, I, I just think that you, you're, you're year two into a system as well. You got your full training camp. Everybody should be coming back. Um, you've built a lot of really good depth on this roster. Mm-hmm. The biggest issue with the Lions is not that they don't have depth anymore. It's the problem is that they don't have clear cut blue chip starters. That's mm-hmm. the issue right now is that, okay, it's great that a guy like um, Evan Brown can step in, but I don't want Evan Brown. I want Frank Ragnow for 16 games, 17 games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but I think the depth is there. I think this team is going to come down to two things. It's number one, it's can they get to the pass? Can they get, their pass rush going, which will obviously create a domino effect for everything else. And then two, what version of Jared Goff are we going to get? Are we going to see Jared Goff take the reins and go, nope, this is my team. Damn it. I'm tired of everyone talking shit and I'm going to take this and we're going to be competitive. Or are we going to be talking this time next year and going, all right, well, the Lions need to go get a quarterback, whether that's via yeah. trade or via by whatever else they need to go mm-hmm. get a guy. So it's going to be very interesting. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this, uh, this draft a B plus for now. Um, I think you're hundred percent right. The Zach Pascal pick is going to be interesting. Um, I think similar to last year's draft where we need to see what Anza Rike can do to make, you know, I think Panay is a home run. Amon Ra, obviously a home run, but we need to see some of these other mid round picks yeah. start to come. That's through. what I mean. Like last year, it's like going in. Cause like, you didn't know about Levi, you didn't know about, Ali McNeil, Lee McNeil right. turns out to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but there's a couple of those guys this year where it's like, if this, if the safety works out, if the edge rusher for Kentucky works out, if those guys are working out, then retrospectively this gets a lot higher. Yeah. But then the concern is if you only hit on Aiden Hutchinson and maybe Jamison Williams, then you're like, yeah, you're supposed to hit on those guys. So yeah, exactly. Those, those are your top 12. Like, yeah. yeah. You really need the second, third, fourth round guys to yeah. hit. And so far we don't know if those are going to hit. So it's been the biggest fault of all Lions GMs in my lifetime is that, okay, it's great. We hit the first round, but can you, can you make it happen in rounds two, three, four? <laughs> yeah. Can you find those, can you find those guys that maybe have a couple question marks, but how do we sift through that? Right. And get those yeah. guys. So let's hope that they figure it out. All right. Let's shift focus here a little bit to the whole league. Just give me, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the Lions draft, but to talk to me. I mean, the low hanging fruit is the quarterback situation, right. And how everybody oh, was like, the quarterback's got to be here, right? It's got to be here. It's got to be here. And then not to like rounds three and four that we finally get anybody taken outside mm-hmm. of Kenny Pickett. Um, are you shocked by that? Are you like, oh my goodness, like, I can't believe that they're still going to get, you know, and then Malik goes to Tennessee. Okay. Matt Corral goes to Carolina. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Pickett to Pittsburgh, not all that shocking, quite frankly. No. Um, about that, like Howell goes to Washington. 
uh, Carson Strong just doesn't get drafted because mm-hmm. they're like, we don't like anybody who can't not move. <laughs> so give me your thoughts on, on the quarterback position. And like, I mean, it was a bit shocking to see all of them fall as far as they did. Yeah. And Desmond Ritter goes to Atlanta. Oh, Desmond Ritter. Second. Thank you. Yes. Second. Quarterback Dude, taken, he was yeah. second quarterback taken mm-hmm. before Malik. Um, this Malik Willis one was just stunning to me. Talk about swings um, and misses by everybody. everyone. Yeah. Like, like once, so like Kenny Pickett goes at 20. I was like, okay, we hit the second round. And I was like, okay, so Seattle's got back to back picks at 40, 41. Mm-hmm. Lions pick at 46. Atlanta picks at like 49 or something crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's so many teams here in the second round. That could easily, I think the who was that? There was someone at like 33, 34 that could have put the quarterback too. And I was like, man, there are so many teams just sitting from like 34 to like 49 that this quarterback carousel is going to start right now. It's going to be crazy. And not a single I was, I was, if I could have bet a whole bunch of money on Seattle taking a quarterback at 40, 41, I probably would have. Cause I was yeah. like, Malik Willis or Desmond Ritter at 40, 41 just sounded right at that point that they they're just falling to, to you and they decided and they were like nope i don't want to and the lions got 46 i was like leak will set 46 yeah and then they yeah. still didn't take great him value. I was like, great value that, i was like that would have been great value considering that just two weeks ago people were like oh he could have been number two yeah you could have got him at 46 would have been insane yeah. but they didn't take him there i just thought that quarterback carousel waiting until desmond ritter's second quarterback taken to atlanta i was yeah. like so malik willis did not return the hundred dollar bill no, no, not invite like his friends to his birthday no, party. Everybody at his birthday party did not go, and he lied about it clearly. Yeah, it was clear, um, it was a clear lie this, to this the interview about it. I think this is the most prime example in recent memory where we talk about how outside evaluators mm-hmm. form a narrative and then compare it to what the NFL, what inside the NFL thinks. And they sent a very clear, decisive message where they went. I don't really care what Mel Kuyper thinks. I don't care what Todd McShay thinks or Daniel Jeremiah. Like, sorry, mm-hmm. just don't. And here's why. And they sent a very clear, distinct message that this quarterback class is poop. And mm-hmm. they did not see anything out of this quarterback class to be even remark, like even remotely something to buy into long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that kind of stood out to you? Um, I was a little shocked by the wide receiver run when it happened. Um, mm-hmm. just because everybody was like, oh, we got to get aggressive and go now. Um, besides that, though, I don't really think anything all that shocking um, happened, uh, or at least early on, right? Like, I thought yeah. New England was going to New England, and they take a guy that – Oh, that was of. so great. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I thought Singer took- Jr. going early, then was wild. was a little bit shocking. But yeah. as soon as he ran a 4-3, I went, all right, he's going probably yeah. at least top 10. I think, I think the things that stood out to me the most – I think the big three were the Texans, just Texans that first round up. It was crazy. I was like, I don't know how they're a franchise drafting like this. It's crazy to me. Um, the Jets just pulled out like the greatest three pick first round ever. I felt like, like they went sauce, Garrett Wilson, trade back up to Jermaine Johnson, the third. Um, I was like, tell about a guy who like a month ago, once Aiden was like projected number one and everyone on earth was trying to figure out who the Lions would take at two if Aiden Hutchinson wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And like Jermaine Johnson was sitting around at two through seven at one point and the Jets were able to trade back and they get him at 26, which was wild to me. Yep. And then the third thing, which I don't know if you agree on. Mm-hmm. So who, okay. Who did you think was the best offensive tackle? Cause I think um, the giants flubbed this up uh, pretty hard. 
I thought I probably would have. I I I I like Neil quite a bit. I didn't honestly. I didn't see a ton of difference between the three of them to make yeah. me go like, oh, they completely like. I don't like that tackle yeah. at all. Like, well, I because like, 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 I, if I take it back to like the year where it was Eric Fisher and Luke Jokel, I didn't like Luke Jokel at all. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I just thought he was stiff, and I didn't think he was going to work. Yeah. He didn't. Um, but I didn't really see. I would have taken Evan Neal probably just based on the fact that he played against the big time schools a lot, mm-hmm. so he held up against good time pass rushers. Yeah, but that's just, the thing. The thing for the Giants was like, I get they really wanted Thibodeau. Yeah. But I thought there was like a close to a zero percent chance Carolina was going to take Thibodeau at six, so I thought the Giants should use that number five pick and just pick yeah. whatever tackle they wanted. Now maybe they rounded Evan Neal, so it didn't matter. But yeah. the uh, the the idea that Thibodeau went five yeah. and you were just hoping Neal would drop to you at seven yeah. instead of taking Neal at five yeah. or Equano or whatever, and then at six Carolina's like, all right, we'll just take the other tackle that uh-huh. we like, and then seven you could have got Thibodeau. I just think like from a, it just I showed that they, I feel like this Giants didn't have the strategic. Well, I think the Giants looked right at it and they went, the, all three top tackles run the board mm-hmm. and there's one pass rusher that we like left. Yeah. So rather than what, risk it for Carolina to maybe take one just in case, yeah. right? Cause Carolina goes, well, shoot, he's sitting right there <clears throat> instead. Why not just, let's just take the guy and then allow Carolina there. If they take a tackle, that's fine. We're just going to take the highest rated tackle on our board that's available yeah. and go that route. Maybe they didn't care. Yeah, maybe they didn't care. I just thought that like if yeah. like if you graded them out, I because yeah, right. I liked Ecom more like the best. Yeah, yeah. So I was like in my mind, I would have went Ecom. Yeah. Let Carolina take whoever they wanted because I thought Carolina was either going to take a quarterback or an offensive lineman. Yeah. Like either one of the two, I thought right. there was like a zero percent chance to take Thibodeau, and that seven you just get Thibodeau. Yeah. But I thought so. I thought the Giants like misplayed that board. Yeah. Um, which is a Giants thing to do. Um, but other than that. I think everyone was just – I thought it was, like, a pretty – outside of, like, all the weird trades that were going on, like, A.J. Wow. Brown's like, I'm going to be an Eagle now. And then Marquise Brown was like, I hate you, Lamar, even though I love you. I'm going to go to Arizona now. Yeah. Like, all these trades that are happening, I, I think it was, th- like, that That crazy. is the one – I would say that, you know, who came out a loser, in my opinion, of this draft is Tennessee mm-hmm. for that trade. Because mm-hmm. trading A.J. Brown and then dra- using that pick you got for A.J. Brown – to draft Traylon Burks is a downgrade. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it is. You know what you have in AJ Brown. You know that he is a Pro Bowl talent. You know that he is worth the money. You know that he is by far your best wide receiver on your roster. He was better than Julio was. And you need somebody for Ryan Tannehill to throw to. Mm-hmm. And Traylon Burks, a good chunk of his time is set up via screens and short stuff. AJ Brown is not that same guy. Like, I know the physical comps are similar, but mm-hmm. it's not the same dude. I, I think they misplayed that. I really do. I don't understand why they just didn't pay him. I really, yeah, really don't. Um, like, your, your, your window is now. Like, mm-hmm. if you're Tennessee, the Colts are doing the quarterback rendezvous thing. The Houston Texans are garbage. Uh, Jacksonville is still trying to figure out how to be a franchise, and you're hoping mm-hmm. that they finally take that step. But your window is now especially because the ASC got so difficult, then you trade away your best asset to replace him with the sixth, seventh best receiver in this class. Mm -hmm. Like just didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. I think the hard thing for Tennessee is like the back of their mind. They're like, I don't think we could compete with like the top 12 teams in the AFC. 
So we're going to try to mix it up a little bit. And yeah. I think just mixing up just made it worse. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't, I think they misplayed that pretty badly. Um, I thought the Eagles had a nice draft. Um, you mm-hmm. know, they get, uh, they get the D tackle from Georgia, you know, they get AJ Brown and they pay him. Right. I think you're really trying to give Jalen hurts a chance, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was good. Another team I thought that completely just missed the boat this year uh, were the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. No idea what the hell they're doing. I know they drafted offensive linemen. They need help on the offensive line. They got some guys that are ancient, like Tyron Smith they, and stuff. But like that, like that first round pick that they had. Yeah. Uh, I forgot his name, but they yeah, showed exactly. the highlight. They showed the highlight reel of him. And the highlight reel was him like not blocking someone yeah. and then looking over and going, ah, man, I meant to block that guy. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I just didn't understand it. I was it's like, so I'm funny. so confused on what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, didn't, really I thought funny. they could have went corner. I thought they could have tra- maybe tried to treat it. I don't know. I just didn't understand what the hell they mm-hmm. were doing. So that was another team that kind of missed it. Uh, I agree with you. I thought the Jets had a good draft. I thought the Lions did a nice job in rounds one and two. I really do. I thought they were aggressive. I think they got two blue chip players at two and 12. Um, so you can't be mad about that. Um, uh, I thought the Giants considering if, if the board fell the way they wanted it to and Neil was their best tackle. I mm-hmm. thought that Thibodeau and Neil is, is a pretty good yes, deal. I thought Jacksonville, if if you are in love with Trayvon Walker, I am not. But to get him and Devin Lloyd, I thought was a pretty darn good kind of haul to come away with mm-hmm. um, night one as well. So I thought some teams made some smart moves to go get some, some blue chip guys. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things where I'm just now excited to see what the hell's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, real quick before we transition. Um, where do you think Baker Mayfield's going? Oh God! There is no way that he can go to training camp right now with the Browns. There's no, no way. So um, they're gonna have to do something. Seattle is the only team that people can say that there is a glaring, like obvious. We're like, okay, Drew Locke and Jacob Eason and Geno Smith are gonna compete for the starting job. <laughs> Woof. Um, now I would, Carolina I, took Matt Corral. There's some investment there, right? They trade a future third to go get him. I think a strong place would be the Giants. Okay. Because they, they didn't do they, uh, uh, what's faces uh, yeah, fifth, fifth option. option. Yeah. So I think there's a strong chance that they can send him over there for a, a, a pull. I don't know what their future asset situation is. They yeah. don't, I don't know if they have like multiple right. picks next year or whatever. I think the Giants is probably the first name that comes to mind there's not really another you just don't want him on seattle (laughs) i mean seattle is like number two i was trying to think anywhere else because i do like seattle is like the number one place that he's like everyone is like all right so he'll eventually get well just because they don't have any plan at all like yeah just like well we're gonna see what happens and we're always looking to improve our team blah blah blah. yeah i'm just like i'm trying to think if there's any other teams i don't think there's any afc teams like legitimately i think everyone is like the texans maybe but they're riding with david mills i think they like him yeah yeah when they like david mills so i'm like i don't think there's any team that needs a quarterback in the afc at this point i mean there are teams that need a quarterback in the afc let's get that here yeah. but that, that they know that they need a quarterback they don't um or that Baker so mayfield I, is clearly an upgrade over yeah because yes, i was like i was like him and like mac jones would be a tough well what's like, my incentive right now if i'm at any team in the nfl to go trade for baker mayfield Again, outside of, the, outside of the Giants of Seattle, there yeah. are none. You know what I mean? Like, what's my incentive right now? Like, you mean to tell me I got to pay this dude $20 million to hope that he maybe beats out my starter? Yeah. 
that's what I mean. Like, I think the Giants, because I don't think uh, Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones is very good. good. No. And he's not getting that fifth-year option, so you can pull him in. And then Seattle, because you don't know your quarterback situation necessarily yet. Right. Yeah, I think that's I just, the only two guys. Yeah. And Seattle, I think the, the one thing about Seattle is I think they're low-key trying to tank really hard because I think they like C.J. Stroud. So I think they, I think they want CJ Shroud. If they want CJ Shroud, then I don't think, I don't think they want Baker Mayfield trying to win seven, eight games. So I think they're trying to have Drew Locke only win three games. Yeah, they're gonna hand the ball to Kenneth Walker and Chris Carson. Actually, just Kenneth a Walker, lot because Chris Carson's gonna be hurt day one. So yeah, he's gonna break his neck in three weeks. So it's really <laughs> unfortunate. Um, all right, let's shift. Up. Anything else you want to say about the draft before we move on? No, it was a well, well done draft. Uh, I was invested through. A day and a half, and it was fun. Yeah, I'm ready for. Um, can we stop with the every eight picks? The the so and so organization is proud to bring you this person who we've never heard of. <laughs> I'm kind of done with that crap. Like, yeah. I don't need every boys and girls club. I don't need every random school. I don't need every random foundation making picks. Can we just get on with it? Like, pick us in, oh, chip, chop, chip. And the next thing we're looking forward to, Rob. What? Best day, of the, single best day of the year, the NFL schedule release date, May yes. 11th Very or excited. the 12th, yeah. one of the two. Can't wait to predict the oh, 12 games. Can't wait. Baby, baby. Can't wait. First game of the season. Who knows? Yep. But you know what we do know? We'll be playing Packers on Monday Night Football in the first five weeks. How do you know that? Because they do it every year. Oh, I was like, what? I was like, what did you hear that I did? It's like yeah, four probably. years they've done it in the first five weeks. So. That seems about right. And that'll be our only Monday Night Football game. And, and that's where James Williams things- runs a fly route over Jair Alexander and just beats him on one. And everyone one goes crazy. And, and Goff underthrows it and throws a pick. And throws a pick. And I go, and this is why we need a new quarterback. All right, cool. <laughs> no, or Jamison Williams is wide ass open, takes a three-yard check down to Swift. Yeah. Yeah, and lose the game and he go ah perfect yeah right but can't wait for that can't wait for this schedule release that'll be fun we'll go through the schedule uh like we do every year and break that down all right should focus here let's talk um let's talk wrestlemania backlash let's go through this card real fast um and talk about my disappointment about this stupid six man tag the dumbest thing ever well mike's pulling i just think it's stupid like we talked on let's go i was giving them so much props be like, all right, this is going to be sweet. Like, we're going to have a tag versus tag titles. This is going to be an yeah. awesome banger of a tag team match. And then you throw Roman and Drew McIntyre in there just to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Stupid. I would disagree. Anyway. <laughs> all right, also, so we got, got a main event of pay-per-view with a six-man tag. the hell is this? Well, to be fair, Rob, no, I think they're actually going to main event it with Charlotte Fair, Ronda Rousey and Matt Quick. Oh, good. So I can turn it off a whole hour early. Good deal. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, so God bless it. The first match we'll talk about is Bobby Lashley. All right, basically, oh, so just so everyone knows, every single match on this show is basically a rematch for WrestleMania so far. Uh, it's the backlash from WrestleMania, Mike. Duh. Obviously. Yeah, come on. Uh, come on, get with the program. Get with it. Premium live event, um, okay? Premium live event. I mean, they could even change the match type, so, like, they're not, they, they're not, they're getting, like, two stars in my GM mode, which yeah. I'm playing a lot recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bobby Lashley versus almost is this first match. Uh, almost has MVP with him though, so that's a yeah, that's a difference. Sure. Um, and Bobby Lashley's gonna win after he almost died at a live event the other day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of how I see this happening. Yeah. Um, could be Corbin. a disqualification actually. MVP could interfere to keep Omos looking strong, but you don't yeah. beat Bobby. Yeah, they can. I can see that too. Uh, heavy Corbin and Madcap Moss. 
Madcap Boss wins. Pretty easy. Clean. 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 I like that. I like it clean. I don't like it dirty. I like it <laughs> you hear uh, that, girls? He's clean. Yeah, we got, <laughs> we got uh, AJ Styles versus Edge, but this time Edge has Damian Priest the entire time in his corner. Yeah, this match, I think it could go one or two ways. I think it could be better than the WrestleMania match, but I also Probably. think it could be a lot worse with a whole bunch of stupid interference. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm kind of hoping this match leads to us getting another member of his stable more mm-hmm. than anything else. And then I'm ready to kind of segue out of this thing with uh, Edge and AJ. And I want mm-hmm. AJ to go do something else. And I want Edge to feud with a big old baby. Like Edge and Cody would feel like this would be a perfect time to give me a three-month arc in SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, I would like Edge to win this. Yes. I just would. so he can go strong, so he can yes. take yes. on that Cody Rhodes or right. whoever right. and have a fun match. Yep. Um, next up, speaking of Cody. of the night, though. Yes. Uh, actually, let's hold off on that one. Uh, next up, we got Cody Rhodes versus Seth freaking Rounds. Okay, I lied. I this think, also could be a potential match. This is, that, I, think, yeah. I think this is probably the strong contender for that also. Yeah. Um, I would tend to say Cody Rhodes because I can't imagine if Cody Rhodes lose yet, but the WWE booking style says 50-50. So I don't know. I would, I would even go Cody Rhodes, though. I'm still going to take Cody here. I think Seth has reached a point in his, of his career where he can kind of lose and it doesn't really matter at times. Mm-hmm. Like, his character is not one that's reliant upon winning like it was mm-hmm. when his first WWE title run was. Um, he's doing some great work as well. Um, I think they are really really heavy up top right now with some top tier talent for Roman mm-hmm. because of the character shifts. I'm just waiting for them to kind of delve into it. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say Cody gets the win here. I say Cody gets a win with like a roll up or something like Seth yeah. has got him set up for a pedigree, get some jackknife pins, something like that, where he catches them that way. It sets like what the hell type deal. And we, mm-hmm. we kind of keep rolling. Got to keep Cody strong here. Yep. Um, the unfortunate distinction of saying that this is a six-man tag instead of two separate matches um drew mcintyre will team with rk bro which is also is it technically mixed between raw and smackdown match because isn't are they all on the same side or no oh actually okay is drew oh no well i I don't know smackdown now is roman on smackdown so roman's on both now technically technically so i I guess yeah well we were gonna mix the tags anyway but yeah I forgot if Drew and Roman. All right, whatever. I that was a really good point then. Uh, yeah. McIntyre teaming with RK Bro, taking on the Bloodline, Roman Reigns and the Usos. Um, um, I think I'm gonna say with Brown. I already know we've won this one because uh, in previous history we never go against the faction, so yeah. we're taking the Bloodline. Yeah. Um. The only reason, and this is the only reason, why I can see them why they are doing a six man tag here is because Drew somehow gets a win over Roman on pay-per-view mm-hmm. with the title not on the line. That is the yeah. only thing that I can understand and make sense of why this match is happening as a six-man rather than allowing the two tag teams to main event, go 25 minutes, and tear the damn house down. It's the mm-hmm. only thing that I can talk myself into because otherwise it's stupid. This is a main event for Raw or SmackDown? Fine. Mm-hmm. It's not for this. Like, this is so bad on so many levels. So the only thing I think of is Drew gets is gets a win here. Or or Orton or Riddle turns heel on, on one of them. It's the mm-hmm. only other thing I can think of. But they have to lose the titles at some point. So 
I, I, I disagree with this wholeheartedly, and I'm still holding on hope this next week that they change this and we sound stupid. Yeah, uh, I don't believe they will. I don't um, either. But so yeah, give me, give me yeah. that. Actually, you know what? I'm just gonna be different. I'll take the bloodline. I actually don't think they're gonna win now, though. I, it'll probably be Drew and like that's the only. I mean, but that's the only yeah. legit, like logical explanation for me to add Drew in here is okay. Drew's kind of been just kind of blah 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 and around right since he lost the title. Let's get him a huge win, a non-title main event victory mm-hmm. on pay-per-view against Roman. Have Roman lose have because you know the storyline is going to be Roman got pinned on pay per view for the first time in two years. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the story, and then we're going to build to a big match. Whatever the hell the next pay per view is, um, is the next pay per view in the UK? Is that that was that one that is? Uh, let me check. Let's see okay. if I have that. Uh, I'm pretty sure the next one's Money in the Bank. Okay. So oh no, no, it's Hell. It's Hell in a Cell. Okay, so maybe we get Hell in a Cell that night then. It's on June June fifth. Okay, in Illinois. So. So I, it's the only thing I can think of is that. So that's why I'm going the. I will say yeah, yeah. So I will. I will say, for being Hell in a Cell, if you have Drew McIntyre beat Reigns, and then you put Reigns and McIntyre in Hell in a Cell with that stupid, like with that yeah. idea that yeah. McIntyre is the only one to beat Reigns in two years, yeah. like clean or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that makes an interesting Hell in a Cell. Yeah, and I think also I putting the unify. If you're gonna, if the plan is still to unify the tag titles, and you do a unified tag title match in the Hell in a Cell, Cell, I think that's really good as well. I just think that in this scenario where you're really missing, I know everyone's like, "Well, Charlotte and Rousey's a main event." I go, "It is," but if I feel like you did such a great job at WrestleMania, really staggering the card out and building to your best moments, a, a last man standing match is dull to finish a show off with. Mm-hmm. There's, it's anticlimactic. It the Oh, he couldn't get up. All right, cool. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. It just, mm-hmm. it, there's nothing to it. So in this particular scenario, ending with a unification match where you have two of the best tag teams out there right now, two of the most over acts, and you allow them to have a great tag match, which is not seen on WWE television very often, seems like a missed opportunity. But if they go the way we're predicting it goes, then maybe they get a pass. But until then, yeah. shame's all the way around. Actually, it's not last I was say. It's actually an I quit match, and well, you're forcing another human to say I quit. So I think that's a good way to go off the show. Yeah. Uh, we saw that's it on SmackDown. It's a great way to go off the show. They made until someone say I quit like say, thirty seconds. Until they say yes instead of I quit, and they ring the bell. That happened at WrestleMania yeah. eleven. Bob back went, "Do you quit?" And he goes, "Yes." And everybody going, "What the?" What? It's actually happened a lot of times. Yes, yeah. like one too many times. To... Yeah. Do you quit? Yep. What? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not embarrassing to say yes. It's more embarrassing to say I quit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we got Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey and I put that. This is wild because we're joking about this. I really can't imagine, like, I can imagine them sitting in the room and, like, whoever's, like, writing the show or, I don't know, producing or whoever, and whoever's deciding who wins this one. And they're like, Charlotte, do you want to, do you want to say I quit? To, no? Ron, no? Fuck. Yeah. Say, okay, I... so who's, who's going to say I quit here? Who's going to take this one for the team? Do you know how to like, say the words I quit? I quit. Aha, we recorded you. We're going to pull the Mick Foley <laughs> one and do it that way. I don't know what else. I've seen gonna... a Miz. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, honestly, with this. Because, like, okay, Charlotte loses. Okay, so Rousey's now champion. Is Charlotte going to be champ? I just don't want this to go on for six more months. Yeah, that's my only thing. Like, I want to go on for six more months. I just don't, like this match is so interesting in the idea that, like, yeah, the idea that you're gonna make Charlotte Flair or Ronda Rousey say I quit to the other one is hysterical to me because they what both if, hate what each if, other. What if like Charlotte like 
tries to attack Rhonda's baby. And that's how we get Rhonda to say, I quit. What if that's the way it happens? We're like, like Rhonda's oh Rhonda's husband's in the front row and Charlotte's okay. like, Charlotte's got like a kendo stick and points at her husband and the baby. And then oh Rhonda just goes, God. I quit. And then that's how oh it ends. I don't know. Like, that was like, how the, else? That's like the darkest thing I've ever heard. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, I don't know what else you do. Like, I'm not for baby violence, clearly, but this match is going <laughs> to suck because, you know, it's just going to be a stupid arm bar and she's just going to, Charlotte's just going to quit. And everyone goes, oh my gosh. And then yeah. when Charlotte wins the, and title then how, for the 17th time, it's, yeah. Know. I was going to say, how do you, how does Charlotte come back out the next night and go, well, I did say I quit, but yeah, exactly. And then how do you like spin that off again? Yeah, like you can't have Ric Flair come out and like Rousey threaten hit Ric Flair, and Charlotte goes fine. Like you know what I mean? Like, I hate what, him. What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like I, I think there's got to be something else to it, almost. Like there's got to be an yeah. external factor to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I, I literally have no idea. Just the idea. It's like if it was like anybody else, like every other I quit match I can think of, like in my head, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I could see like. Randy Orton saying it to John Cena, yeah, yeah. sure, or like Miz or whoever, like like Mick Foley say it, whatever. Yeah, when you imagine all when these you're a chicken shit heel, it makes a lot of sense to do this, right? It's yeah, when but I'm like, you have two, like, you have one badass. person who's like an MMA badass, yeah, and then you have Charlotte Flair, who's like the face of the women mm-hmm. in all of ever, and like one of these two are gonna have to say I quit to the other one, and they both hate each other. It's just yeah. a stare. I think if you added Becky Lynch to make it a three way, that's the only way. Yeah, they all three of them. Yeah. Um. So I guess Charlotte loses, and Becky or and, and Ronda wins. I guess I would assume Ronda wins. Yeah, because I, they screwed her out at Mania, so she'll win this one. I just yeah. think it's funny. Sure. Why not? Okay. So, That's the whole show. Yeah. Seems about right. Yeah. I don't know. It's just <laughs> the six man tag just bums me out hard. I don't know. This is one of those things where it's like I felt like man, you had like a really good idea where we have like Edge and. uh AJ and we've got Cody and Seth and this tag match. Those are three banger yeah. wrestling See, matches. The, the fun, so the fun thing about this, right, is this would be so much better. We talk about how AEW doesn't have like the quarterly pay-per-view thing and how we they probably should go to quarterly pay-per-views because they already do the TV show pay-per-view thing. But I think this show would be a perfect like Monday night raw oh, bash yeah, at the absolutely. beach. Yeah, and then sure. you bring it into Hell in a Cell with our yeah. idea of like putting all those matches in Hell yeah. in a Cell. Like not having this be a, a premium live event yeah. or a pay-per-view or whatever and making it like just an extended bigger raw or a bigger smackdown to yeah. lead into a pay-per-view which be which would feel much better than yeah for sure the problem the 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 thing is is that wwe now and aw is going to get to this when they get their own streaming service is that they there is less of an urgency to make people feel like oh man we really got what we paid for for this 69 because no one's paying for that anymore no one is buying wwe pay-per-views because they get it for free with their payment of cable for peacock so Mm -hmm. or the network right so they are allowed to use these non-core fours as as elevated television shows to just be like hey here you go like banger banger you know what i mean like you can just yeah. and make money off of it right and it feels mm-hmm. more special because it's backlash or it's all in a cell or blah blah blah, blah whatever so when aw gets that i think is when you're gonna all of a sudden start seeing oh instead of bash the bash the beach isn't gonna be on wednesday nights anymore it's gonna be on saturday nights mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's coming yeah. it's just it's just one of those things where the incentive is not there like we, we can both very much say that if WWE was didn't have the network or Peacock, I would not be paying $70, $60, $50 to watch this show. There's no way. Zero percent. No, I, I, I would I would stream it somewhere. 
Right. But my point is, right, yeah. like the average yeah, consumer yeah. is not going to fork out even $30 to watch mm-hmm. the show. It's not going to happen. But, oh, I just get it when I pay for my cable. Oh, well, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. going to watch it, I guess. I, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. how it works. All right. Let's shift focus here. Um, big news coming out of the hockey realm. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings, much as predicted, have fired Jeff Blash or have decided to not renew the contract. I really want <laughs> to put it. Um, Blashell coaching staff, they gone. Um, long yeah. time coming, in my opinion. I thought Eiserman gave this enough time where mm-hmm. I think even everybody was like, man, this is really kind of time to put the kibosh on it. Um, and I didn't really blame Blashell necessarily for the lack of uh, success. I don't think he was set up for success um, mm-hmm. based off some moves that were made by Kenny Holland, as well as they're going through the, re- it's hard to be a playoff team for a quarter of a century. And then all of a sudden go into a rebuild and people not go, well, it's your fault. It's your fault. Cause you're the one yeah. at the helm. I never looked at it that way, but this year in particular really felt like, wow, they've got some pieces here. I mm-hmm. mean, you've got the rookie, you've got rookie of the year and co I mean, you've got two guys. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, cider should be, and then you've got Raymond who's right there. You've got young guys that are going to be pillars for this team. And you were in a spot at one point this year where you were in the playoffs mm-hmm. coming off, winning eight a game in a row, and you could not capitalize. And you got so poor defensively, you have not figured that out. And it's been a growing problem. And now mm-hmm. that you do have some talent on this team and we're still 10 games under 500 and allowing six goals a game, those are some severe problems that I think can be fixed with some better coaching. Yeah. I think uh, in like basketball terms, this is like the Dwayne Casey thing mm-hmm. where it's like, you kind of just take over this really, really bad yeah. time and roster. And you're just right. like, it's not really your fault that you're yeah, pretty awful. But at the same time, it's like, now that you're getting these better players, like I think this past year, everyone was like, I think you probably should have done more. Yeah, with the roster that you had mm-hmm. only going like only adding three wins mm-hmm. like I think I think this uh, Red Wings team I think people were expecting a um, like a playoff not maybe not even a playoff berth but at least like be in sniffing, the like, yeah, like be this, the past two, yeah. this past two weeks you should have been like a point or two away from a playoff spot and instead yeah. you're what do you I like, want to be watching the below? Wings now I want to be watching Red Wings games at the end of the season thinking all right these are make or break games. Even if they don't win, fine. But at least you're in it. You're in it until mm-hmm. the end. That's what I wanted the Pistons to be. And you were more on that than I was. Where I was doing the Kate Cunningham love. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to the finals. And but, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of love there. but <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, you were like, maybe tone it down a notch, right? But I think we can both agree that I still expected a little bit more than what we got. Now, Kate being mm-hmm. out for those 12 games or whatever throughout yeah. the season did not help. But this next year, I think Dwayne Casey's really going to have to coach his pants off a little bit because they're probably mm-hmm. going to have a top three pick and you're going to need to put this together. Um, and I kind of felt like Blashell at this point just didn't put it together enough mm-hmm. where it's just kind of time. And I'm, so I am, I don't have a list of candidates just yet. Um, I don't know anybody that's got people like ready to go on who the hell the wings are going to hire. This just happened yesterday. Um, but I am very intrigued as to who the hell the wings are going to bring in because I think this could be, it's, it's, it's one of these things where we talk about it a lot, where in a GM's tenure, who you bring in as your head coach, right? Who is your starting goalie? Who do you like, who's your starting quarterback? Like certain things in different sports, right. Are how you are measured. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be something where Eisman's done a lot of things correctly here, but shoring up the defense, um, finding some better defensemen, 
figuring out the goalie situation and getting a, a coach that can take this team to the next level is outright imperative for the success mm -hmm. of this, of this rebuild. So very interested to see um, kind of what they do there. All right, let's get to, let's get to what Mike's been waiting for for the last hour. <laughs> let's talk NBA playoffs. So no upsets, right? Mike, everyone that was expected to win one, right. From a seating perspective. Uh, seating perspective. Yes. yes. Okay. Theoretically. No. Okay. So let's just get to it right now. All right. Two. I have two questions, two questions. Number one, is Ben Simmons ever going to play basketball or is he just a complete waste of all of our time and effort? Um, he will. Cause what a disappointment. Yeah. I think he'll eventually play. I think so. I think the Brooklyn one, I think if they were down to one or even like if they won game four and they were like two, two or something, you know, like if they were like in it, I think there's a chance Ben Simmons plays like game five and tries to get back. But I think when you were down 3-0, I think he was like hard pass. Yeah, we're we, yeah, we're not even gonna win anyway. So like okay, why 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 go out there? Okay, I which is not the mentality you should have. But. No. Um the second thing is I want to ask is Kevin Durant. Okay. He did not play well in this series at all. He nice. could not hit the bright. He looked like me playing 2K. It was not good. Mm, not pretty. I hit one every five threes and I'm like, I'm back. And it's never, <laughs> but it's um, getting hot. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, but I just, I, is this, how, how much of the blame is this on Durant and how much of the blame is on the combination of Steve Nash, the organization hiring Steve Nash and the organization <laughs> trading for Ben Simmons without any, without any returns, like no, like no returns. Like he has not played a single minute for them this entire mm -hmm. season. And the 76ers are like, man, I'm really glad we got James Harden. Like what <laughs> the hell is well, happening? Because yeah, so, uh, you can't be the best player in the world and get swept. Mm -hmm. You now, can't. Now it's, to it's the same to point, say. you can't be the best player in the world and not make the playoffs. So sorry, yeah. Nick Wright, but it yeah. just is what it is. But this no, let's, uh, oh, we'll be fair with that one. I think yeah. he's he's on the Giannis boat now, and oh. I think everyone should be on the Giannis boat. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that too. But like back to the point, though, right? Like, yeah. where, where, how much of the blame goes to Durant and his play and his lack yeah. of leadership? Because you know mm -hmm. it's duty, and mm -hmm. then how much of it falls on the rest of the organization? Because damn, was this embarrassing? Because these are four winnable games. I went back and watched <sighs> these. These were winnable basketball games. Mm -hmm. And they just were like, nah, hard pass. Yeah. It, well, I think I put a lot of it on Kevin Durant because there were points yeah. in games where he looked so uninterested to be there. Oh, like, yeah. so, so like game one, yeah. the ending of the game, like the last possession, yeah. he, he was guarding Jason Tatum and was just standing at the three point line and Tatum cut in and he wasn't let even like, yeah. he just let him go for yeah. the layup. Like he yeah. wasn't even, he, yeah. he was in another world. In that you can feel like, Boston came out with a, like, not like a killer mentality, but like they were just like, these guys don't want to be here. So let's just put them under their misery. Let's yeah. just kick their yeah, ass. It's really what it was, was we're going to play physical. I think Boston, yeah. one thing that Boston does, and this is why until the Nets get more physical, I don't think the Nets can ever win anything, is like the playoffs, they actually let you, like everyone's like, ah, oh, basketball now, they're not physical. They don't, you know, they don't push you down. They don't throw you down. But I'm like, they'll let you play though. 
Yeah. Like this, this Boston series, they show that Boston was up in everyone's grill. They were hand checking a little bit. They were doing stuff mm-hmm. and the refs weren't calling everything. The refs were like, we're going to let you play unless it's like, you just slap a guy on the arm or something. Right, like right. if yeah, it's yeah. pretty egregious, but they're going to let you play. Yeah. And I think in those kind of situations through the regular season, Brooklyn's so good in the regular season because no one can like play defense basically because everything's a foul in the regular season. So Katie's like, Oh, I'm like wide open. I can make these shots all day. Mm-hmm. But when you're contested by three people, every <clears> single time you touch the ball, it's a lot harder to do. So I put a lot of blame on Kevin Durant. But I also put like a slim, like if I had to give it, like it would be like 60 on Kevin Durant, 30 on Steve Nash for just, I don't know what he does. He, he does less than Ty Lue. I'm so I'm so happy that the NFL has not fallen into this trap of we're just going to hire former players who just happen to be good. Like, can you imagine yeah. if like, oh, hey, we're just going to hire Peyton Manning to be head coach. Why? Yeah. Well, he was a really smart football player. What the, does that have to do with coaching? What yeah. what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then I put 10% on just like the whole. This trade, roster makeup is. The roster terrible. makeup is awful. They should never have traded. Here's the thing. Is like two years ago, they should have never traded for James Harden in the first place. No, gave me out Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Should have never have done that. Nope. But um, now I do think they should have traded James Harden to like I'm okay with the Philly trade because yeah. James Harden wasn't going to play for you anyway. No. So you might as well have gotten Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and a first round pick or whatever you got for him. Yeah. But um, in Swaps makeup is just awful. It's just yeah, they have awful. no there's, interior. There's, there's two really good skilled guys on the mm-hmm. team. And outside of that, you don't have much of anything. Yeah, they don't have any depth. They don't have the, – their interior presence is non-existent. I don't care what anybody mm-hmm. says. Andre Drummond is not a good basketball player. He's no. just not. He's not a good player. Um, and so, like, when you look at this team and the way they built it, it's like, oh, well, him and Kyrie and, and Ben Simmons, like, okay, well, that's great. Well, Ben Simmons hasn't played in two years. Um, Kyrie Irving is a mental nut job at times. And then Durant – yeah, Durant is one of the most – gifted scores in the league's history and it's not arguable however mm-hmm. he has shown that he is not able to elevate a team by himself and will them to victory he's just not we saw curry do it we've seen lebron do it we've seen Kawhi do it in toronto we have not seen durant do it it's mm-hmm. just not a thing he, he was the, I would say he was the best player on the floor when he was with Golden State because he was in all of his glory, but he was playing one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And Durant one-on-one is going to kill anybody. But it's because you had Curry and Steph, or Curry and, and, and Clay Thompson just standing there going, hey, if you want to pass, that's cool. We're, we're mm-hmm. going to defer to you because that's what you do, but we're here. It, LeBron has done that. I've even seen Dwayne Wade, you can make the argument, has taken teams and just gone, nope, I'm going to do it. Devin Booker just did it. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and Luca, Luca just did it. And so you're looking at some of these guys and I go, yeah, you may be a gifted, and I truly mean gifted score, but you cannot tell me that Kevin Durant is a, is a one player as one man has is that guy who's going to go well he's going to take us to the promising because he's never done it he has yeah. never done it mm-hmm. and one thing i think i think one thing that should be at least thrown out there is i know everyone just looks at the lebron 2011 finals thing as like the worst yeah right disaster ever <laughs> but like is getting swept in the first round worse than that it's just a question yeah like i, I like i think it's a strong the conversation debate. is having is still happening like yeah. you can't 
even if you were like, dude, Tarrant is just, I've never seen anybody like him. And, and you can make the argument, somebody his size, his length, and his athletic ability and his, and his shooting, mm-hmm. he may be a one of one. He really may mm-hmm. be, right, with his, with his size. But you cannot in good conscience be like, well, like, I, I, you, you, there's only so many excuses you can put to this. Mm-hmm. And it's the same some it's the same some of the things that you can say in in some of the LeBron years where he didn't win a title where it's like well he doesn't have a very good coach okay well he picked the coach so mm-hmm. you can't you can't be you can't you can't throw that out there well he's only got Kyrie okay but he wanted to come with Kyrie that was the plan like well they got well he wanted Ben Simmons well Ben Simmons isn't playing that's mm-hmm. you know or he wanted Harden or whatever like these are all things that you have to apply to both sides of the conversation and if you're gonna ding one player you have to ding another. So it is very much in part the problem with LeBron that the Lakers did not make the playoffs this year. But at the same time, it is also just as much the fault that Kevin Durant, a fully healthy Kevin Durant now with a, uh, a somewhat, he, I mean, Kyrie can travel now, right? He can play in all the home games and shit. Yeah, he played, so, he played everywhere. yeah right. So you wanted this team. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be in Brooklyn. You wanted Steve Nash. You wanted you wanted James Harden. And then he went, this sucks. I'm going anywhere else. This is all you're doing. Mm-hmm. So you have to take a brunt of this because the Brooklyn Nets went, KD, what do you want? We're going to give you all the money in the world. What do you want? And he went, I want, I'm going to play with Kyrie Irving and we're going to go win a championship. And you, you haven't gotten out of the second made, round. You haven't made it to the conference final yet. That is insane to me. Absolutely mm-hmm. insane to me, and I think that we need to stop the conversation. He's not the best basketball player in the world. That's Giannis, and he's not, and he's not, he's not in the conversation right now to tell me right now that he is better than LeBron James. It's not a thing. No. It's not a thing. So we need to stop it. It's no, I, like, th- I, I, yeah, I, th- I think he's like third, probably. Fine, totally but fine, totally fair. He, but even then, like you can throw in like guys. Honestly, guys like Luca, I think they're like just creeping up up there like it's like you can easily go that's the thing you look at them in a in a in a vacuum right and you go Mm -hmm. man durant man he averages 28 points a game you know six rebounds a couple assists and you're like dude this dude's a freak you know because he plays Mm -hmm. relatively good defense i wouldn't say he's phenomenal but solid and and his size and then you're just like man this dude is he's a scoring machine but when you but you have to put it in the context of the game it's mm-hmm. what do you do when things aren't going right? What, how do you respond? How do you make people better? Luca mm-hmm. makes people better. The fact that the Dallas Mavericks beat a, I would say are a better jazz team. That jazz team's a good basketball team. And the Dallas Mavericks with Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, Brunson and, and David Bertans, exactly. and Dwight Powell. And he's making Jason Kidd look like a competent coach, which we all know he is not. Mm-hmm. That is a different type of animal. Listen, I, I, I'm not necessarily predicting Dallas to beat this Phoenix Suns team. That's going to, the series starts on Monday. I look forward but, to the series, though. But I look forward to the series. I will hopefully be able to watch every single game of the series. Mm-hmm. And don't be shocked if this bad boy goes six or seven. Oh, and Dallas yeah. is like hanging in oh, yeah. six or seven games. Yeah. And because like, at least contesting guys. you. Because Chris you, Paul, I think, is going to take it off. I want to see – and that's the thing too, right? And it is to see some people who are the face of the franchise take a game and go, it's not not tonight. Mm-hmm. We, like we saw that moment 
in 2000, what was it? 2008, nine, whatever the hell it was. When, when LeBron went, I'm going to score the last 15 points of the game to take my team to the finals. Mm -hmm. Like we saw moments like that. Isaiah Thomas with the rolled ankle. Yeah. They didn't win that game, but you're like, Oh man, this is, this is the, this is the moment. Giannis put up 50 in game six last year, just to make sure he's exactly right? right. So like, Moments like that, like I can even go back a couple of years ago, the first year of the late of the Clippers super team, where Luca drops 55 or something like that, hits a three from the logo to mm-hmm. send them to OT. And you go, Well, dude, this dude is just different. Like, mm-hmm. there's just certain things that make, and I have yet to see that where I see Durant when everything is up against him and it's his team, it's not Curry's team, it's his team. Go do it. Where, yeah. where is that for me? I'll give you. Two, one that it did happen for him recently, yeah. and one that it almost did was that Bucks series last mm-hmm. year. Game five, he yes. put up like 50 by himself. Yep. And he basically carried. And in game seven, if he had like half of a toe cut off, right, he probably wins that series and then probably either loses to the Suns or beats the Suns because they're going to get past the Hawks. Right. So, like, but and those are the that only two the times. Yeah, and that was the that moment was. that you yeah. didn't get. But, yeah. um, this was, was like, like the this was a series got. to me where I looked at and I went, you, if you beat this Boston team with everything that's going on, mm-hmm. right. And then you kind of figure out a way to piece it together. Right. I can at least go, okay, listen, he's making do with a bad situation that he put himself in, but he's making do, but he didn't, he, he went, I'm out. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm sold. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm done. It's not the same. Um, all right. Let's talk. I do want to talk a little bit too. So, um, in your mind, has the has based off what you've seen, are you still Buck Suns repeat? Are you are you thinking now that Dallas has got a good chance? I know a lot of people walked away with this Dallas series and went, man, Luca's a man possessed. I yeah, so I can't like well, I see I want to this this Phoenix Dallas series is just gonna be everything I want more. Yeah. Um I will say there a strong <laughs> me. part of me has whoever wins that series probably will be in the finals mm-hmm. i don't i'm, I'm not 100 on the warriors yet and i think if memphis beats the warriors somehow then i'm like i don't think memphis could be either one of those teams so i'm really kind of circling this series as winner of the series probably gets there okay and i'm i'm leaning slightly to phoenix yeah chris ball i'm cheering cheering for right now cheering for luca though yeah for sure in terms of in terms of impact right like do you think that from a from a legacy perspective, who benefits more? Is it is it is this the year that Chris Paul like has to get it done in order to like cement it? Like okay, top whatever ten point guard ever. Like yeah. he's got his championship, elevated multiple teams, right? Played at a high level for so many years, and mm-hmm. he took a Phoenix Suns team and won a championship. Do you think that that he is the number one guy right now that's left standing? Where it's like this means more. This winning a championship would mean more for him than anybody else going right now because of other people. like Luca's got time, right? Yeah. Giannis has already won one. Um, you know, like even Devin Booker, he's got time. Yeah. There's so it would either be Chris Paul for that. I think not necessarily the title, but if Steph Curry could win Finals MVP, I think that would be big for him okay. because he's never won Finals MVP yet. Yeah, right. The first year was Andre Iguodala. Right. And the two were Kevin Durant, right. and then he lost the 16-1. Right. So, and he lost the 19-1. Right. So, uh, if Steph Curry won Finals MVP, I think that would be huge for him because he's never mm-hmm. got done that yet. Or, or, or then, hey, let me put this out here. How about play well in the finals? 
or just play yeah well in the finals. 2015, he played well in the finals, yeah. but Andre Iguodala got it for locking up LeBron James, which <laughs> okay. Um, and I think the other only other guy, I I think James Harden would benefit a lot because I think James yes. Harden just looked at it as like all right, he's he, he averages 36 yeah, points a game. I know Embiid's hurt, but like I know that that yeah. would benefit a lot. But I think I think though like James Harden specifically being like okay, he's only a scorer; he doesn't do much else. If he won a title, I think he's like okay, but at least he can lead a team to a title. Yeah, or be a co-lead to it. Yeah, they yeah. get the 76ers title. Right. Really the only two guys other than Chris Paul, I think, would actually really benefit. Mm-hmm. The only like Giannis would benefit because if you get two rings, two MVP, like you're already like you're piling up to like top 15 player all time now and stuff like that. Like you're just like building your resume up. But mm-hmm. I think it's those three that benefit the most. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested to see how the rest of this kind of shakes out. Um, any other thoughts that you want to get out there before the second round kind of kicks off? No, we're just going heavy, heavy Dallas fandom. We're going, um, we, we put in a few bets. So, ready to go. Let's hope that Luca magic happens. When is the lottery? Do we know that? Do we know the date for the NBA lottery? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere in, I think it's early June. Is it early June? Okay. I couldn't remember if it was and late May or early June. Just interested to see when NBA we can start talking about draft lottery. Pretty sure they announced a date. Um, Tuesday, May 17th. All right, May 17th. All right, so just a couple weeks away, guys. We're going to be talking about that. Hopefully the Pistons wind up with the first overall pick, Jim. Not likely, mm-hmm. but, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. Top. Three oh, you know, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, so I think the draft is like June f- like 10th or something. That makes the sense. lottery is May 17th. Yeah, that makes, yeah sense. that makes sense. All right, guys, that's going to be it for this week's show, though. So be looking out for that Dallas-Phoenix uh, series. It's going to be a lot of fun. Watch Giannis, you know, just be Giannis about stuff. Yeah. Uh, NFL schedule release in a couple weeks. We'll be talking about that. Uh, next week, you're going to be is, – is backlash on a Sunday or Saturday? I believe Sunday. All right, fine. Just hate um, my life. It's cool. Um, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> All right. But that's going to be it for this week's show, guys. On behalf of the Mystic Whale Man, he's the Merck Zone, Mike Merkel. I am the Mouth Michigan, Robin Deca, and we will see you guys, as always, next time.